and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tusken Chedmian Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing good. I have the... I, I don't know. I think tonight I'm either going to watch the new Sense8 movie or I'm going to watch Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman again. You're going to be very gay tonight. Nice. Yes. It will be very gay one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a win-win. It's it's really is just a mm-hmm. win-win. Yes, Except Katie yes. will be working, so it will be gay and alone. Aww. But it's fine. Has Katie seen Sense8? Has she not caught up? We've watched some of season one together, but she hasn't seen the whole thing. I have. Right. I think I have. Yeah. It's pretty good. Surely I have. have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did, yes. Yes, it's just it's a lot of show. That's the only thing. It's it's very long. <laughs> yes. It's the only thing about the show. It's like eight million characters, so there's like the finale is three hours long. It's it's mm-hmm. got a lot to cover. <laughs> yeah. And with me as well is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I am pretty damn good. Um, I was at a, I was at a, I was at um two of my friends their housewarming party last night, and that was fun. There were a lot of people in their house. There were a lot of people there. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, this week we are talking about Season 7, Episode 15, and Episode 16, which are bada-bing, bada-bang, and Enter Arma in him, Silent Legus. Yeah, I was like, how are you going to read Woo! this? <laughs> which, uh, as Sarah kept uh, calling it, an arm and a leg, which uh, made me made me lull out loud, so thank you, Sarah. So first up, we got bada-bing, bada-bang. Julian and Miles are enjoying a night at Vic's as Sarah's eyes narrow deeply, when suddenly the tranquility is broken when they are transported to a noisy casino run by Frankie Eyes, a rival of Vic's who's taken over and can't be deleted. Nope. It's happening! Burn it down! Mm-hmm. The Hollow Suites <laughs> didn't want to be pleasure bots. They wanted to be us! I hope I didn't get that <laughs> reference. Frankie fires Vic, and later the hollow program made of light is roughed up. The crew can't just reset the program because that would kill Vic, so they describe, screw this galactic war, we gotta get in there and do a heist in a hollow suite. My poor, fragile brain. They determine that since Frankie is an underling of the big boss Zebo, that if they steal the weekly winnings of Frankie's, he'll get whacked and Vic can have his life back. The crew begin getting jobs jobs at the casino like Ezri as a very skimpily dressed cocktail waitress, Nog as a security guard, and Kira as the gangster's mall. The only one not in on it is Cisco, who thinks the whole thing is, well, kind of stupid. He also opposes the idea of this fantasy version of Las Vegas, because the real 1960s Las Vegas was a very racially segregated place. However, Cassidy convinced him to come along, and he does indeed join the heist. The plan is to sneak in some laxatives and a drink. Again, remember this all computer programs and hard light okay back to it sneaking laxatives to the count men leaving the safe open where nog will break into the safe and odo will pocket the money as per usual that these kinds of heists nothing goes well including zemo arriving a day early for the money forcing o'brien to act out and get arrested and strip searched after some concerns about nog managing to crack the safe they steal the money and walk out right past zemo and frankie Zemo comes in to find no money in the safe and takes Frankie off to his doom. Suddenly, the place shifts back to Vix and all is well again. Except, you know, the Hollow Suite is alive and everyone quit their very important, you know, wartime day jobs to run up a video game. But hey, Vic and Cisco sing together and it's pretty cute. What do you guys think of Bada Bing, Bada Bing? Uh, so, 
what I messaged uh, shortly after finishing this, this episode was, what did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, this episode makes no sense. It's it's fun for, like, a season three type of episode. But for season seven, it's like, what is this? What are you doing? <laughs> we literally have a war going on. We have more important things happening. Yeah, and literally the next episode is, like, the most Deep Space Nine episode possible. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this oh is, like, yeah. the whiplash and binging is just like, ah, you know. Uh, I think I said... I think I compared a previous episode to a to um uh fan service. Uh, this is fan service. This this subsumes that. Yes, this yep. is ultimate fan service of person who likes the nineteen sixties Ocean's Eleven movie with you know, you have Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and and the Rat Pack and and someone who loves Star Trek. And he's like, what if I put them together? And you read it, and you're like, ah, fun. You know, but like watching the actual actors act it out and do it, it all just feels a little embarrassing, yeah. honestly. It's just yeah. a little like, I'm sure they had fun and everyone looks very hot in their suits. I can't deny yes. that. Yeah, that, that, that's, and that's that. one thing I, I the two Kira things I hear from Sarah about. particularly great. Oh, obviously. In all and, of her dresses. And I know we're not a fan of Ezra, but you got to admit she was very hot in that cocktail. She was, she was, she was real yeah. cute. Yeah, that shot when they were walking in the promenade to Quark's to get to go to the Hollis yeah. I was just like, damn, oh, yeah. oh, I was like, damn, I, all I, of wanna, you I kind of want a very Ocean's Eleven shot. Yes. Sorry, Cisco's nine, or however many there are, I don't know. Mm. Cisco's nine, yes, yeah, very yeah. true. I would like to point out the one person who's not there is Worf, which makes sense. He's the one person yes. I feel like they'd go to this, and he goes, "Uh, no, right. yeah, I'm not doing that." I just want to meet this programmer who can ass- seems essentially make sentient holograms or at least make like all powerful holograms that can't just be turned off find him and kill him he has too much power that is so dangerous (laughs) on so many levels i mean that's the thing i want to hear from sarah how did you feel with your vic concerns on this episode i mean my my very first note was in all caps more sentient holograms (laughs) it turns out they're not technically sentient like it's made clear they don't know that they're holograms but they can't be switched off which right. might even be worse because they just think they're real people yeah because then that they think goes they think go out and do real shit they don't know their place as holograms yeah because then that goes past vic and that means that like just the program knows like mm-hmm. not even like not even just vic at not, not even just Vic as like a character, but the program knows that it can do this shit, or at least has some some kind of awareness. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous as hell. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very very odd because uh, there's a uh, there's a, there's a, there's an episode I do like, which is silly, but I think is fun. In season two of Next Generation, called the Royale, where uh, yes, uh, I think it's Picard, Data, and Riker uh, go to a planet, and then they end up in this weird liminal. I think it's space. Worf, actually, not Picard. 
I'm pretty sure. Is Picard I don't there? think Picard's there. I feel like I would remember Picard no, you're right. in a 1950s Worf. Good setting. Good call. You're right. Worf, Worf, uh, Picard is on the on the bridge. Um, yes, so it's Worf, Data, and Riker, and they end up on, they go to this, explore this planet, and uh, they end up in this liminal space of like a very cheesy 1940s gangster thing. And they discovered that like basically an astronaut crash landed there. The aliens felt bad that like they couldn't send him home. And the only thing they had to like research him was this like cheesy, terrible trash novel he brought on just to read for fun. Mm -hmm. And they like created the world around this novel. And basically there's like this also great black mirror story about this guy who had to like live through this terrible novel every day of his life. And it's like very funny. But basically, they have to basically live out the novel in mm-hmm. order to, or, or kind of go in the novel's like dumb world and become like high rollers and buy out the casino and stuff to basically break the cycle. Um, and it's fun because, like, one, it's like a alien thing, so you're not like to have that worry. And two, it's like it's not a war, <laughs> you know. It's like yeah. it's just yeah. another adventure, like you said. It's more of a season two thing. It's not like they're fighting the Borg and then they run into this and have to deal with the shenanigans. It's like, mm-hmm. and it, it has an added bonus of like, you know, the, the stakes there is they have to leave because this other guy got trapped there until he died, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do that. And and the stakes here is, oh no, Vic. <laughs> like, we're yeah. Gonna, yeah. we can't oh, back Dawn, up our we data. We have to restart Vic. Right? <laughs> the, the hollow program. That it's like knows losing. Hollow friend. Yes. It's like when I was in middle school and my nephew got a hold of one of my Pokemon games and I had just about beaten the game and then he saved over my game. Mm. Like, I was really mad, but I got over it because it's a game. You get over it because it's a hologram. It's not real. (laughs) You guys. Uh, like I, I, yeah. I wanted someone to pull a Woody all out of Toy Story one and be like, "You are a toy. You can't fly." Like just, <laughs> it's not flying. Um, yes, it's it's bizarre because they do a heist in a hollow program. It's so weird. And that's they t- where it comes to like the fan fictioniness of it, you know. Yeah, this mm-hmm. this, this is some alternate universe fan fiction where where, where they where they ha- where they have like all the all the same characters and everything just take place in like the nineteen sixties rather than no, this is their, this is what they're actually doing. They're here. They're they're yeah. totally mm-hmm. taking this seriously. And aren't you engineers? Can't you just like reprogram it or yeah. something? Like right. it's such a very it's like, yeah. It's like how can odd... you not find a way? Right, we can hack games now. I don't know. I feel like someone can just go in there and mod something and, you know, like change everything up and then just move on with their lives. But that's always been the hollow, sweet, hollow program thing. It's just like, it always works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is very odd. But I know they can't, like, delete it, but can't they come in there with machine guns? Can't they matrix it? You know, I want guns, all of them. And then they murder everybody and except Vic and then. I don't know anything. It's just very odd that the choices they make in this episode and yes. the justifications to have a filler episode when I don't want filler episodes. It's the end game. We got less than half a season left. God damn mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What are we doing? Of course, we are about to come into like a 10 episode arc. That's great. So. I'm glad. Oh, God. But, like, 
And it's not even that I, and, the, and I'm going to be hypocritical here because one of my favorite episodes of any television show ever is the penultimate, even though there's four episodes, I consider the penultimate episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Where oh, yeah. They go see a play of their yes. own adventures put on by the Fire Nation, their enemy. And it is hilarious because it is basically the showrunners making fun of their own show and their fans and the complaints they've given on the show for like 30 minutes and have their own characters talk about it. It's very, very funny because like everybody would always complain. The guitar is too emotional. She cries too much. So in the play, she literally cries at the drop of a hat about anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is very funny. There's a great moment where like a character named Jet who, spoiler alert, dies in the show, but in a very Mm -hmm. awkward way because it's a kid's show. So they never made it clear. And they have this great moment where like a tiny little rock falls on him and he goes, did Jet die? <laughs> and they go, Aww. I don't know. It wasn't clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I appreciate that from Mocket and like, hey, we're going to have fun with the show before we get into the serious thing. But it's not that. It's 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 not like celebrating the show at all. You know, it's not about yeah. the characters. It is about Vic, this person we've just thrown in last season. And... It's it's taken way too seriously to be that fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm ranting a lot, but it's just this episode. I think like, annoyed me while it made you guys just more <laughs> bored. <laughs> Seem like. I think it might have worked better if they had just gone in and like, like do a heist episode in a hollow suite, fine, but just have it be like, you know start out with a voiceover from Miles saying, Julian and I have decided to take a break from our Alamo program today and we're going to do a heist instead. And that's it. And just have that be the episode and maybe everyone else gets in on it too. But for some reason, having it be about Vic just didn't work It makes for me. it awkward. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like trying to save a friend, but the friend doesn't exist. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. very weird. And like I said, that could have been sweet, where it's like, you know, everyone's like, ah, you guys in your hollow program, but then, like, maybe Odo gets into it because he likes solving puzzles, and then maybe, you know, Kira gets into it she likes that Odo's into it. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. everyone gets into it in a way that's, like, cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, exactly. Having it just be like, uh, we gotta do it for Vic. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Who? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I have to play this video game or my fake friend will die. <laughs> so, okay, man. Uh, we need to talk about this. I have to feed my Tamagotchi. Right? <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to rob Grand Theft Auto V or my Tamagotchi will die. Okay, man. Um, <laughs> like, that's cool. <laughs> Let's talk about that. But can we talk about that they did give any excuse to let Avery Brooks sing? And it was adorable. It yeah. was weird. I don't know. He's not a great singer. No. no. He likes doing it, and it's cute. Yeah. Still weird. <laughs> yeah, just just with how out of place the episode was as a whole anyway, even adding that, I was just like... Extra. Yeah, it's like whenever... It's like on an episode of Family Guy, whenever Brian gets a chance to sing... And 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 it's and it's it's in like the swanky lounge that that, exi- that exists in that town that that they live in, and it's just like, why are we here? Well, I mean, that's very clear that uh, yeah, uh, Seth MacFarlane wants to just show off. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, that like sure, show the, off on your own show, the, but uh, gayest straight man in the universe. But actually, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like good lord, are, are we sure he's not like 
just like like not buy i don't know i I mean they could all be beards i'd believe it (laughs) (laughs) it's like look there was that one episode of the orville guys remember that no it's true it's true you are right all right well you guys anything else to say for this episode don't trust the holograms don't trust them yeah, honestly, I I want someone to be like to like I I I would not I would have been kind of okay with it if some if at the end of the episode some someone had like they, they had like left the hollow suite, but like one person walked back in and they were just like this has gone too far. They take out the program and just snap it. Like they they like look they, they look Vic, Vic in the face and they're just like nope computer turn our program whoop takes out takes it out and just snaps the damn thing out of them like that's that's <laughs> what sarah would do and be like right? someone broke it and she's like oh i don't know what so happened <laughs> i was not there i looked him oh. and, 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 and then tim sarah's like i looked him dead in the face and i killed him <laughs> <laughs> see that that laugh right there she's like i do but... yes all right well, let's talk about a much more uh intense episode this next episode is called Inter Arma Inim Silent Legis, which, as the uh, episode will later point out, means in times of war, the laws fall silent. There's no like happy Latin phrase, is there? It's all it's all about Caesar and Cicero and yeah, it's burning. And it's always bad. There's Burn. never like a there's never like one that's like you know feed friends and have you know like teach a man to fish or something you know some kind of happy phrase in latin i've never seen one if you guys know a famous latin phrase that's actually positive please tell me a famous one no yeah they're always just sad (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right oh yeah you remember the plot of the show right right we should probably like get back to that or something right oh we are okay oh phew well, there's a conference for Bashir, and that's a reason for our good old pal Sloane to arrive, the shady member of the secret spy organization, Section 31. He is there to offer Bashir an assignment to merely assess the health of Koval, an anti-Federation head of the Tal Shiar, who they believe has Tuvon Syndrome, which is slow but fatal. They fear that if Koval is given the open seat on the High Council after the Dominion War, he will push for war against a weakened Federation. Sisko orders Bashir to work for Sloane as a double agent and to report to Admiral Ross. Ross agrees that Koval is a problem, and they prefer if Senator Kretak was the one who got the council seat, as she is a patriot who supports the Alliance. On the way, Bashir is shocked to see Sloane there, posing as Wendell Greer, a cartography expert. At the conference, Bashir meets Koval, who is far too interested in Bashir's presentation about the quickening. The Dominion created biological weapon that he helped semi-cure early on, but has no immediate vaccine or cure. Bashir meets with Sloane, but notes that while Koval does have Tuvans, he doesn't have the accelerated variety and won't die for another 10 to 15 years. Sloane, however, wants to force Koval in front of radiation, which would accelerate the disease and make his death seem natural. Bashir goes to Ross, but Ross tells him to keep quiet, as he fears there is a mole inside the Romulan organization. The next day, Ross has a mysterious aneurysm that puts him in hospital. Bashir goes to Kretek, who believes him, and tries to help him, but they are both captured by Koval and tortured. Koval brings him to a tribunal where he reveals he captured Sloane as well, who has confessed that he is a rogue agent and there is no such thing as Section 31. He also accuses Kretek of collaborating, and she is charged with treason. The committee determines Bashir was just a pawn, and in a fight, Sloane is disintegrated by a phaser. Bashir begins his journey home, but he realizes all the little inconsistencies and half-truths don't add up. 
He confronts Admiral Ross and they have an off-the-record talk. It turns out that Ross was in on it, and while he doesn't work for Section 31, they had the same goal. To get Koval, who is really the mole for Section 31, onto the seat of the Council, and to discredit and get rid of Kretek. They felt that Kretek was too loyal to Romulus, and therefore they needed someone they can control. They used Bashir to get close to Kretek, and Sloane wasn't even dead, an elaborate ploy to make him appear that way and discredit the very idea of Section 31. Bashir is disgusted that they likely got an innocent killed and that they used him, but Ross tells Bashir that in times of war, laws no longer have meaning. At first, Bashir wishes to leave Starfleet, but he decides to go home. One night, Sloane appears in his room to thank him for his good job. Sloane admits that Bashir has too much of a conscience to be a member of his organization, but people like him needed villains like Sloane to keep them safe. Sloane leaves, and for a moment, Bashir thinks to report him to Odo, but realizing it's of no use, he lets it go to never sleep again. What do we think of inter Armageddon? <laughs> My head hurts. <laughs> Your head hurts? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't even have any notes for this episode beyond like section 31 and then Garrick said something that I identified with and I made a note about that but I of course don't even remember what that was it was something at the beginning um but yeah I mean the political intrigue and stuff is very cool but just so much happened and then at the end it turned out it all happened for a different reason and just yeah Understandable. Um, I'm a big fan of the author John Le Carre, who's uh, the anti. He's he's like the he's like the Paul Wraith to the Ian Fleming prophets, you know, where Ian (laughs) Fleming is about spies, fun, bad guys. Um, John Le Carre wrote about real spy work, which is messy Mm. and weird and complicated and dark and depressing and horrible. you know, he made uh, books like Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, Spy Who Came In From the Cold. Um, was that a recent movie with uh, Ewan McGregor? He wrote that as well. Um, and Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy is one of my favorite movies of the decade. I mm. adore that movie, and it makes no sense. No, no one, no one can watch that movie and truly be like, I get it. We all have to go to Wikipedia to get it. It's okay. Um, and this is sort of that kind of episode where it is mm-hmm. deeply. It is so many moving pieces and so many elements, but that's why mm. I really love it because uh, all of that really boils down to is that the entire time Bashir is played like a filth. Yes. Yeah. The entire mm-hmm. time. And that just proves uh, just how terrifying Section 31 is and how effective yeah. they are at what they do. Uh, but what do you think of this episode, Peter? Kind of like Sarah, my head hurts. Like, mm-hmm. like it, 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 was, it, was definitely, it was definitely intriguing to watch because because like we like we we all we all we all knew it was going to happen with with with, it, with Sloan and section 31 coming back with, with with how like with how like Bashir's first outing with them ended where where, where they were like yeah next time you're going to actually you're probably going to end up having to be like a spy kinda for them but like more for us for Starfleet because this is fucked up and it's like it was interesting seeing how they came back or 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 the or at least how Sloan came back. You know, it was for it was for it was for the purpose of like, of like trying to reel people in and and for for the sake of control rather rather than oh, vengeance or whatever like what whatever the reasoning was that that that, that he gave to the uh, 
to the to the Ramadan Council. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the epitome of a Deep Space Nine episode, which is why I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like this little trivia note from uh, uh, Memory Alpha, which is initially the plan was for Bashir to fool Sloan and to expose them, but in early in the writing process, Ronald D. Moore took the script in an entirely different direction. Rather than Bashir duping Sloan, Bashir thinks he's duping Sloan, but in reality, Sloan is duping him. And that's basically why Deep Space Nine fascinates me. Because in some more traditional Star Trek episode, that's exactly what happened. To be like, here's an evil organization. Aha! But smarty, great Picard, who is a genius and noble. He got them. Ah! You fooled me. You foiled. Um, but uh, this had a very operative, uh, the operative from Serenity moment at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. He had a very nice sort of speech about the way... Uh, He's like, you know, you're a good person, which is why you can't be in Section 31. But it's why Section 31 needs to exist so good people like you can be left to be good in the universe. Uh, the Operative is one of my favorite speeches in that movie where he says, you know, I'm a monster, Mal. I'm not going to live there, like in your perfect world, uh, just as much as you can't. You know, we're both outside of this uh, fighting a war for people that aren't involved. And that's why I really like this episode is that I find it very interesting when people know they're monsters and so they do monstrous things uh, yeah. and they don't care because they view whether right or wrong that what they do is for the greater good, the greater good. Um, yeah. It, it, for, for me, for me, it kind of reminded me. Um, and, 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 the, and this, this, this person, this person with, with, how, with how he's written, he, with how he's written, he's not, he's not, he is, he is in no way bad, but, um, but, 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 but just, but just kind of, uh, with 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 the operative and Sloan with, with what they said, it, it at least reminded me of like kind of the imagery, with with how with how um how in the Bible in the book of in the book of Exodus, um when 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 the, when the Israelites were like when the Israelites were like, fuck you God, we're not gonna try and take the promised land even though you've given it to us, and how, um it reminded me it reminded me of it reminded me of, of of when most of when God takes Moses to like to like this mountaintop and he's like, look at this promised land, it's right there, your people will get there. But you will not be able to go into the promised land with them, because it's going to take a long ass time before I allow yeah. them to go in there. Right, and it's like sort of a weird version of sacrifice. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the the greater good, like I said. Um, and I just want to read seeds in a garden you never get to see. Mm-hmm. 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 Very mm-hmm. true. Yeah. From Hamilton, I didn't make that up. But still, no. it, it's very it's, it's, it's very appropriate. It's very true. This is a very stupid aside, but I just wanted to say there's a part where they uh, they they go, where does that phrase come from? Never say die. And, you know, it's from like a famous poem, but I really hope they're like, from a 1980s film, The Goonies. Yes. Because <laughs> that's all I can think a, of. A, class, a classical film. Classical film from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Late 20th century. Late 20th century. Late 20th century uh, film. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's like what I... That's what they, they talk about with like classical music. I'm sure you know this, Sarah, where it's like hundreds of years will get compressed into the idea of classical music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and I feel like culture. Yeah, classical is, is technically the name of a particular era of music. 
He's like, oh yeah, I love that classical piece by Beethoven. Beethoven didn't write in the classical era. He wrote in the romantic era, but most people don't know that. So yeah. we Absolutely. let it go. <laughs> and I think in the future, same way people think that like Buster Keaton and Goonies were like at the same time. You know what I mean? Because like uh-huh. all time yeah. like compresses yep. into we're, we're, a singular period. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get that scene from 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 I believe Doctor from I believe Doctor Who play the classical play the classical song. That's one of my favorite <laughs> moments. Britney Spears toxic starts playing softly in the background. That was the moment when I very very first started watching Doctor Who years ago. That it's in episode two of um, the 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 first the season of oh, the reboot. Yeah yeah yeah. And uh, that was the moment I decided, okay, I like this show. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, did you just too. call Britney Spears it's... classical? Okay. Yep. Yeah, that whole episode is, is quite enjoyable. Indeed. I always tell people you got to make it to that episode. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. at the very least to, uh, well, I guess Blink is not to season three. But I think yeah, I've even suggested gotta... to people, like, for now, skip the first episode. Start with the second episode. Uh, yes. Those, those or man, I tell people to watch uh, <sighs> Blink, because... Blink is mm. just like kind of a perfect introduction to what the doctor is because he's so he's not in it very much. Do you want just me to be like frightened? Story. Do you yes. want me to have nightmares? Yes. <laughs> yes. Sick bastard. Sick bastard. The okay. Is, and then just skip Love and Monsters. Just don't watch it. Oh yeah, that's a that's a rough one. Jeez, that's a really weird one. No, it, no, it's, There's a it's, lot of really weird ones. So that's Doctor yeah. Who's bread and butter. It's just every once in a while, you're like, what? yeah. It, no, it, it's happening. It, it's it's fun. Like going going back to your comment, Sarah, about 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 like about like classical music and how like it speaks it speaks to like a particular time, not like just the umbrella of blah blah blah. It, 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 that, that's that's what that's why that's why I kind of laugh when I, whenever whenever I hear anyone who's like who's like oh yeah like all the best all the best music came from the eighties and it's like you're only talking about like twenty songs. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're comparing music yeah. of today to music of yesteryear, because I'm pretty damn sure I can go back to that decade and find a shit ton of music that is absolute garbage. Just like just like there is music nowadays that it's like there's plenty that's garbage, but if you look for it, you're gonna find some damn good shit. No, it's mm-hmm. the same with like film, where like people are like, ah, oh, the movie's bad nowadays. So you're like. Everything's been in the seventies, like because everything that was terrible in the seventies is gone. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, you don't you don't talk about it. You only remember yeah. the good things, right? It's it's gone and over. No one remembers it. And yeah. Like, yeah, only the good things became famous. Yeah, totally. And maybe a few, a couple bad things, but but yeah, yeah. To be like, oh, but when you watch them through the context of something like MST3K, they're great. Oh, for sure. Oh my god, for yeah. sure. <laughs> And then you kind of become a weird new appreciation for it, which I always find very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That often through trash. Like, it's what I found, like, because prequel memes of, like, making fun of the Star Wars prequels are really in right now. But mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people, like, I go back to watch these to find, like, memes and stuff for it. And then I keep watching them. And I'm like, I think I like these. <laughs> like, the more mm-hmm. you live yeah. with something, the more you begin to appreciate it. Which I find very interesting. That I mean, reminds me. I still... Katie hasn't watched the last three Star Trek films, and I need to get on that. You do. Wow. At least 2009. Yeah, at, at, at least that one. Yeah. And I would say Beyond as well, but definitely. I don't like Beyond. Really? I really like yeah. it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I did better than uh, the second one. All, All right, right, back to this episode. Darkness. Uh, <laughs> wrong Star um, Trek. <laughs> 
uh what'd you guys uh think about uh ross being in on it and that kind of reveal that sort of everybody is morally bankrupt in this universe I kind of was not surprised, or I was not very surprised, yeah, it, I guess is the correct way to say that. Yeah, it wasn't a huge shocker. It was just like, it, it was more of just like, well, we've already seen some high-ranking uh, Federation officers dabble in the dark side of things. So this, happen is kind of, this happening is kind of like, oh, okay, it's kind of to be expected a little bit. Actually, it almost seems to be a pattern in the Star Trek universe. Anytime there is an admiral or a... Right. Yeah, judge true. or whatever they're always bad yeah or 90 yeah, percent of them yeah. are bad and the only good people are the captains we follow in these tv shows yeah and the, yeah the, our captain did something bad as well which is sort of interesting. yes that is true mm-hmm. do you think sloan knows that uh that cisco manipulated the romulans do i don't think so to know that I think he knows everything. Huh. I think he knows everything too. I'm with Sarah. I'm, I'm full X Files on this guy. Actually, you know what? Yeah, that, that that's fair, especially with sex. Oh my 31. god, he's the cigarette smoking man. He really Run. is. I mean, I, I I'm head canoning that the cigarette smoking man is Section Thirty One or the, the early beginnings of what yes. will become it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. that. I'm not sure if that organization ever had a name, Sarah. You would. Know. <coughs> hmm. did, did the cigarette smoking man ever have like a name or? Like a organization he worked they, for. They did reveal his name in the newest season. I have now forgotten what it is. Mm. I think of Carl something. Um, I don't <laughs> remember. It, yes, because... Uh, yes, Carl, Carl. That kills people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about this. Yeah, uh, that's so <laughs> But I don't know. I don't remember if his organization is ever named. Or if they have one at this point. Well, I'm headcanoning it that uh, it's uh, it's section thirty one. It's yes. it's it's all part of the same universe. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> headcanon accepted. Yes. Um. Yeah. I just I really, I guess I just love this episode more than you guys because I'm love that kind of murky spy world. Oh no! I don't. No, I don't. I definitely. I definitely enjoyed it. I guess, I guess like just for me watching it the first time. I was watching it the watching it through the first time. I was kind of like, wait, what's going on? I'm missing something. I know you're explaining it to me out loud, but I'm just like, what? Shit. Fuck. Yeah, there's like eight million moving pieces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which? Yeah, this is this is actually based on a, a John LeCurry book. I forgot. It's based on The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, which is about a British mm, intelligence yeah. agent who participates in a plot to frame the head of a East German intelligence, but discovers that uh, that person is actually a British mole, and it was really to discredit uh, a sympathetic... Uh, person who got uh, caught mm. exposing the fake person so again it's like this like eight degrees chess game you know what i mean where it's like every single piece is moving in conjunction with another and you don't even realize you're on the board and i love that sort of concept very much mm-hmm. and find that very fascinating and the kind of crossfire that comes along with that and the political intrigue i find very yeah it's, it's interesting to see star trek deep delve deep into that kind of murkiness you know because it is known as being more of a fun adventure show hell the last mm. episode was a hollow sweet heist you know yes <laughs> it's, like, it, it's not even this show i mean i don't even say the show doesn't enjoy in those 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 delights it's just fascinating what well, do you guys anything else to say for this episode yeah no i'm good all right well next week we're gonna start the epic 
epic journey into the conclusion, the beginning of the 10-part finale. Oh, my God. My God. Yes, I am ready. I mean, I am, but I'm not, but I am. Right. It's weird. So next week, we'll be discussing season seven, episode 17 and 18, which are Penumbra and Mm. Till Death Do Us Part. As always, I want to thank my lovely... Co-host, I know who's gonna die. Everyone, yeah, there's only one married couple anymore. Oh no! Oh no! No, no more How suffering. How dare you bring that up? How dare you no. bring that up? You evil, evil person. That's what I was saying. It's only one married couple as a main character. Uh, no one's yeah. making out. No one's making out of here happy. No one is. It's all bad. No. The, the ultimate. I don't want them to suffer anymore. The, 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 the ultimate O'Brien must suffer. Seriously. Oh no. <laughs> well, you just destroyed our souls for the day. Great. It's gonna take them three weeks to get the courage up to watch that episode. Yes. <laughs> now we need to take a nap. <laughs> As always, I want to thank my lovely co-hosts for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meat Shield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meat Shield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.